1: There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful and scalable. Join me every Tuesday at 10 a.m. ET to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Sherry Shannon-Vanstone as a well-known serial entrepreneur in the Kitchener-Waterloo region. Sherry Shannon-Vanstone has made a significant contribution to a spectrum of digital industries, from information security to telecommunications and technology, while also making a major contribution to the advancement of women. She's an extraordinary leader and visionary who's made a material difference to the roles women play and their influence in the digital economy. Throughout Sherry's career, she's been a trailblazer in the fields of STEM, business, and philanthropy. In honor of her late husband, Scott A. Vanstone, Sherry founded Profound Impact in 2018, a data-driven platform for use by educational institutions and other organizations and their stakeholders, including alumni, researchers and students, to engage, discover and measure the worldwide impact that that institution and its community have on technology and the world. Profound Impact also aims to build a sense of community for a global audience of affinity groups, such as women in STEM and entrepreneurs. Sherry was the recipient of the prestigious Leadership Excellence Award in Entrepreneurship for 2020 from Women in Communications and Technology. These awards recognize women, men and organizations committed to gender diversity in Canada's digital industries. In June 2019, Sherry received an honorary doctorate of laws from Western University, and in 2015 she was awarded WOW, the World Waterloo Region's Female Innovator of the Year. Wow, Sherry, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Rick. It's a a privilege to be here and I'm excited for this conversation.
1: We're delighted to have you here. Just to get started, what we like to do is ask our guests uh, what main line of advice or or, or insight they hope that our entrepreneurial listeners will take away from this conversation.
0: And I've thought about that. because I have been given a lot of advice and I've given a lot of Mm -hmm. advice to entrepreneurs before, Uh, but I'm gonna go back to an advice that I I myself need to hear. And that is don't be afraid to ask, ask for help, ask for money, ask for help around the house, (laughs) (laughs) ask, ask. Uh, A lot of women we feel, and maybe there's some men too, Feel that it's, it's, your, 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 it's a sign of weakness, a vulnerability. Well, there is vulnerability, but there's a sign of weakness if you ask. And, um, and because we're all afraid of failure, of a rejection, but I find that if you don't ask, you don't get. And that's from the beginning, my beginning of my career. So I'm preaching to myself here, Rick. I, I encourage people to step forward, and to ask for what you need.
1: Wow. I mean, and that's so profound. I mean, I don't like asking for help. I think that indicates that I'm not a total success in every single thing I do. And I don't want anyone to suspect that.
0: I know. We all feel that way. But so if there's a superpower that you want to obtain, and I thought about this because know this has been in the last few years people talk about what is your superpower and i'm thinking well you know i have i have some things that i do extremely well but this is a superpower i'm i'm working on Is don't be afraid to ask
1: So, so it sounds like this is your story that you that early on you were you know you were hesitant to ask for help and you learned that we have to do that
0: yes i i my story began when I, I, I was a mathematician with the US government, but how did that started was I loved arithmetic and then later mathematics as I was growing up. And I had encouragement along the way, I must say. I had a lot of women teachers, high school teachers, junior high teachers. I grew up in the US, uh, it happens here too in Canada, but uh, I, I found that I was encouraged greatly and I didn't need to ask for help. But I did. One time I went to one of my math teachers in, in, in high school and I said, you know, I'm preparing to go to university and I want to take calculus from day one. Now, of course, now, today, calculus may be offered in high school, but at that time it wasn't at, at my school. So I said, can, can, would you tutor me in trigonometry because you needed that uh, to prepare for calculus. And so she took it on herself without being paid extra to teach me trigonometry on the side. So I took a side course with her. And uh, so that was one I, I was comfortable asking because I knew her. But as I went on, I, I understand asking may come from uh, this thing of respect. Now, now, respect for your own talents, your own abilities and skills, but also your ability to learn new skills. Uh, so when I, I graduated from university uh, with a master's degree in science and mathematics. And I w- went to work as a cryptologic mathematician with the US government. And I was given huge amount of opportunities. I was in a program, uh, an elite program there where there were 26 individuals and 13 were women and 13 were men. And I'm talking about in the 80s. So it was very, uh, it was parity at that time and off an equal opportunity. However, again, it was the respect for my own self that gave me the ability to When, For example, the one job I had, which was my last job there before I left to go to a Silicon Valley startup was, uh, was a huge, it was a great opportunity. It was a liaison between industry and uh, the work that we were doing with the US government in cryptography, information security area. And uh, so I was in this office and uh, my boss would say, who would like to take this project on? And I'd say, oh, I will. I never said, now, what do I need? What are the skills I need? What do, what experience I need? I said, I'll do it. And I kept doing that and I kept raising my hand. And all of a sudden people were looking at me going, how did she get all the great projects? <laughs> well, the thing was because not only, you know, was I asking for that opportunity, but I also held up my hand. I said, I'll participate because I, respected my own uh, ability to learn new skills and and I felt that that again was a, one of those core values that you need is the respect not just for yourself and but also others people others uh, skills as you start a company that's very important
1: just before we get a little bit more into your journey I just want to go back a little bit and say have you figured out a way out of is there a best way, a best practice around asking for help? How do you get the help you need? Is it as easy as saying, as sending someone an email and saying, "Hey, can you help me with this?" Or have you sort of figured out something that works?
0: Well, I figured out uh, that you that it any just reach out. Most people want to help, and it turns out that um, I get I get emails and I get um, inquiries from. Um, a lot of young women in particular, but I also get I've worked with and mentor with uh, mid uh, middle aged career and, and mid career women, and even um, I've been working with a company in Waterloo where this is a, a, a well established researcher in a uh I've been working with her company and and she, you know, so I, I'm on the receiving end of the asking. I get emails. I get LinkedIn in, in invites. I can't I can't say yes to all of those. But what I do is I if I can't help them, I try to say, but I know somebody else who might be able to help you. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I do that 100% because I can't. I, I don't have the capacity. And it's not my full-time job. But, uh, well, it is in humanity and my, you know, but as far as my, uh, my work with Profound Impact, it also includes that. I would say that um, I, don't, I don't have all the answers because as I said, I'm still learning this new superpower that I want to obtain. Uh, but I just say, just, just send an email, reach out to them in any way you can, uh, go up to them at a networking uh, event, uh, There's a lady uh, that I, I, I consider her one of my mentor, mentors and uh, I didn't ask her enough. I, uh, I, had a, I was selling my company in 2017 and if I would have gone to her retrospectively, it would have been uh, a different outcome. It was still a good outcome, but it could have been a great outcome. So I, I have to tell myself, step up. Do it, send that email, go up to this person at an event, reach out through another friend that said, oh, do you know that person? Cause I really need to get to that person. Uh, so anyway, any way you can and uh, be more persistent and not afraid of that rejection.
1: I really love that. <laughs> Years ago, I was on a panel and they asked us a surprise question at the end. Um, and they said, what would be your best, adv- best three words of advice for an entrepreneur? And I was very proud about what I came up with. I said, make the call.
0: <laughs> yeah, so
1: that's a, so somewhat similar. It's the same topic. thing. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. It's,
0: it's just don't be afraid of, of being turned down. And at most people, as I said, that I have I have gone to have been so willing. At, and many uh, today, there's many opportunities in the ecosystem, uh, the regional innovation center. If you're just getting started with your company, You know, you can go to these and ask because there are lots of programs out there, but also uh, being able to ask on a personal level is very important.
1: Absolutely. Let's look back then a little bit. How would you sum up your, your, your... your entrepreneurial journey. When last we left you, you were still working in government and volunteering for things. Um, How did that turn into serial entrepreneurship?
0: I I realized I had the greatest job I'd ever have at at, at where I was at, at the US government. And when my boss's boss told me that, when I traveled with them on one uh, business trip, he said, I I realized, you know what, I do. And for to move up, I had to move on. And uh, I thought, well, why don't I put my destiny in my own hands and I want to go into sales. I want to be a salesperson. Wow. Now, here I am, technical background, but but with liaison with the industry. So I've already crossed over uh, somewhat. And so I just said, you know what? I'm going to go to a startup. So I went to a startup in Silicon Valley, information security startup, and they asked me, what do you want to do here? So they hired me. But really, because you know, they liked my credentials and they were an information security company. And you know, I have all this experience in the area. I said, I want to be in charge of Asia Pacific and Latin America sales. Now I have, a, I was fluent in Spanish. I had a, a second degree in Spanish and lived in Costa Rica for a year. So I thought I can do Latin America. I can do Asia Pacific. And they said yes. Again, you know, you ask. And, uh, but it was just, it was, it was absolutely, uh, in, in the last 20 years, no one would have given me that opportunity. But this was in the 80s, late 80s. And they said, yeah, go for it. So I, I, I worked, I, I eventually had to give one territory up because it was too much for me. So I gave up Latin America, stayed in Asia Pacific. Dealing with 13 different countries and the cultures of those uh, companies, and I traveled by myself as a woman. I set up distribution channels. I trained. I, I became you know the top salesperson. I was very successful, and it was one step forward and two steps back at times. But it was the opportunity that I was given by this uh, this company, this entrepreneur. So I was given an opportunity to come to Canada in 1994. I was recruited by uh, to work for a company that was a competitor of the company I was working in Silicon Valley. So that's when I came to Canada in 1994 to work for a company that later became Certacom. And uh, I, again, I I tried, you know, there to, I wasn't a founder, I was, I later married the founder, but I wasn't the founder of Certicom. Uh, but uh, I wanted, I wanted that um, cultural thing. So, So really, to me, it it goes back to uh, your why, understanding it, and staying true to it. Mine is about respect for myself and for others, and then building that up. Uh, So uh, I left CertiCom and continued working in the industry. I worked for MasterCard International as VP of Secure Electronic Commerce. Which today is everything, <laughs> um, and uh, and then I, I consulted with some of the banks, and then I went back and worked with BlackBerry after they acquired CertiCom. CertiCom was acquired by BlackBerry. We did all the security for BlackBerry and for all of the all of the uh, uh, smartphones today have our security in it. But it, w- it it's from that I wanted to be a part of uh, of, of defining the culture and making sure that. I was contributing, not just in a financial way to the, the success of a, a startup, but also to the foundation principles of the startup.
1: Wow, that's <laughs> <Such laughs> a story so much to unpack. Um, so, so you're telling me that the, the security of e-commerce mm-hmm. is still sort of based on a platform that was developed in Canada at
0: Certicom <laughs> 20, 30 years ago? Well, it was developed in the 90s, yes. Yeah. It, the company was a spinoff from University of Waterloo. It was not called Certicom at that time. It was called Cryptech or some name that may be, have more relevance today with crypto <laughs> industry. But uh, it later became Certicom. And yes, it is the foundation of not only uh, electronic commerce today, but it's also the foundation for uh, Web 3.0, and the metaverse, and... Crypto, the cryptocurrencies and all of that. Elliptic curve cryptography, it's called, or ECC, as we say, uh, to keep it short. Yeah, it, and it was, it was uh, not discovered in Canada, but it was commercialized by uh, Dr. Scott Vanstone, my late husband, and his team.
1: Fantastic. Tell me now about, now you're involved in uh, a, a new thing. I found this wonderful Quote from uh, the University of Waterloo about you. It says, "Profound Impact is more than the name of Vanstone's new enterprise. It's also her brand promise." So that's really cool. So tell us about Profound Impact.
0: In between BlackBerry and uh, Profound Impact, I, I uh, my late husband Scott and I started another company called TrustPoint, and that's where I was. We were able to do everything we wanted to do, in it uh, culturally and all of that. And we, uh, uh, and, he, and, and Scott passed away in 2014. So I continued to run the company and it, uh, we provided security for the driverless vehicle uh, and connected vehicle. So we took the technology that we used in the electronic commerce and uh, uh, smartphones and took it into the driverless uh, and connected vehicle space. So I sold that company in 2017 to Robert Bosch who is a tier one leading provider of uh, automotive parts and services. So we were in that industry. Uh, anyway, um, so 2017, I stayed on for a year uh, with the transition of the company. So 2018, I retired, March 31st, 2018, I And uh, it just didn't stick.
1: You can't yes. retire from entrepreneurship.
0: <laughs> I know. No, I, 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 yeah, one day I will, but I'll probably be in a learn. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, so I've been working with trying to figure out, well, what is it? OK, uh, my sister is uh, a doctorate in education in, in the US. And she, she loved the story of Scott Vanstone and his impact on the world. So she wanted to write a book about him. So she went around, started interviewing and all this. And so, you know, I'm still working and selling my company and doing the transition. And then she comes to me when I retired and said, here, now you write the book. (laughs) And I said, this doesn't speak to me. So I thought about it and I said, you know what? This is not a static story. It's not a book. This is a dynamic story. And it's not just about Scott Vanstone. Let's look at University of Waterloo. In particular, let's look at their math faculty. And let's talk about the impact that they've had, not individually, the individual contributors, but also the collective. And so I approached the University of Waterloo and said, what do you think about this idea? And they loved it and the math faculty, we worked on it. And they were gonna do the project internally. And uh, I just realized they didn't have the capacity to do that. So I said, okay, I'll take it on, I'll start a new company. So the, the new company, Profound Impact, it's, uh, our why is connecting great people to do great things. It's about measuring the impact of individuals and organizations and programs, and also visualizing that impact to inspire others, and also not just for future impact, but for collaboration. You know, we have some tough problems to solve today, and, and uh, we've seen it during the pandemic, and how collaboration has moved forward with a, a faster vaccine. Uh, and so we know that we need to collaborate. So Profound Impact is a, it's, it's, it's really not just about uh, measuring people's impact, but also being able to highlight that so that you can inspire future collaboration.
1: Right, so can you give me an example of uh, of, of how clients use Profound Impact and, and- mm-hmm what the outcomes, what 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 sort of the, 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 the physical outcomes are, and what are the benefits that come out of that?
0: Uh, we, we have three products, but I'll talk about the first one um, called Career Impact. So we, in particular, we're working with the University of Waterloo co-op program. Now, it is a world-renowned co-op Absolutely. program, and in particular, uh, the math faculty, which computer science is within the math faculty at the University of Waterloo. So you can say, oh my, my goodness, wow. And then, you know, that co-op program is extensive, not just for the computer scientists, but for the mathematicians in general. So, uh, but we're working with the, the co-op, the whole co-op program, but I'll talk about the, the first uh, project that we did was just, was uh, for, they chose a specific graduating co-op class and they asked us to, look at the data look at where they are now. So we took the 2010 math faculty co-op graduates and we using the data that the University of Waterloo co-op has on while they are there, because they don't have any contact with the graduates after they leave. The co-op program does not. So now they want to say, what's what's the impact of our programs long-term? and. What are we doing right and what are we doing wrong and what can we improve? So we took the data and we took the uh, uh, publicly available data uh, on these individuals and we did the analysis. So we collect the data, we aggregate it with the data that that they already have uh, and then we we try to gain actionable insights from it. And in particular, we could identify how long it took a a minority versus a majority, women versus men, to move up in their career. How many jobs did they have? How long did they stay? What was their job title? How quickly did men progress faster than, do they progress faster than women in certain roles? And it turns out for that class they did. Now, this is one class, uh, uh, 2010, and now we're looking at 2010 across other faculties for the University of Waterloo. So what is what is the purpose? What's the return on investment for the University of Waterloo co-op program? One is they gain, uh, of course, actionable insights which they can feed back into their programming and say, okay, we did this right. Maybe we need to work on this. They also can highlight huge successes that they've made. They can work with the um, organizations that, you know, how many, I I did, let's say I did a co-op term with uh, Profound Impact. And then when I graduate, where did I go? Did I go back to Profound Impact or did I go elsewhere? And where then did I go? So we're looking at the career trajectory of those individuals uh, to look at and and, uh, the collective, but also get down to the granularity of the individual and identify them as, female, uh, black, you know, a different ethnicity, where are they, are they, uh, how are they moving forward? What can we do with our programming to make it better?
1: Help me understand how you actually do that because um, short of sort of doing a, a 10 page survey or whatever the digital equivalent of that would be with the graduating class, how do you, how do, how do you get this data and how does that become meaningful.
0: Well, that is a, a, a huge challenge. So we, we, we do not do surveys for this uh, uh, customer. We could do surveys. Uh, some universities do surveys right at when you graduate or the year after you graduate. But this, uh, we've chosen not to do surveys here. Uh, so we are going out and collecting publicly available data that's out there so if you were a graduate of the 2010 math faculty co-op program I then could dream we could we, we could we could find public data about uh, out there about you on different uh, from different sources and then we aggregate that data and then we are able to, to do the analysis using data analytical tools and uh, artificial intelligence and get down into the the essence of the data and then be able to um, bring out what query it in what way you the customer wants. And they wanna say, okay, how long, how long have you, how long were you in this position? How many jobs have you had since you graduated? How long were you and what's your job title? And how long were you in each of those job titles? Uh, and so th- that's just the information they want. They, you know, they want a lot of more information, but it's their data. They can query it in any way. But right now we do that for them and we provide them a dashboard that allows them to query the data and, and get the uh, reports back.
1: And what, what what sort of actions have you seen your clients take after they've, you know, done this analysis? Have things changed? Have they figured out ways to do things better?
0: Well, we're, we're, we're beginning this journey with most of our customers. So I can tell you what, I've seen in just a short time is they they were uh, surprised about the data in the fact that uh, well the granularity that we can get with the data they were surprised so that was good so so and then they said okay let's take this back in and and, and maybe even share it with uh, and that's their choice but they in this one case they did share it with some of their co-op businesses you know because they they have these long-standing relationships with with not just companies like Profound Impact, but keep, you know larger corporations too. and feed that back to them and, and let them understand the data too. So it's sharing the data in aggregate without personal information and then also the granularity without personal information. So this is this is I'm, I'm going to talk about you, Rick, but I'm not going to use your name. So you're a male, you're this, you know. You've been to, you work these five different jobs, and then they can gain insights. So, uh, so it's one thing about um, the the assigning of co-op positions and the matching of co-op positions. That's uh, so they can they they've been able to tweak that a little bit uh, through that data. Again, this is just beginning. So we're just we just finished. Uh, it's only been like. 6 months we finished that project the first project with them we started another one with other faculties now so we'll see how they do it uh, use the data over time
1: i mean this sounds so important and so exciting because so many organizations don't follow up they don't get feedback when you, when you think about it they don't know why they do what they do or how they could do better so you're you're creating a lot of potential insights for them but do you end up hearing a lot of people say, oh, we don't have a budget for this because we didn't know we could do it.
0: Yeah. And, and 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 of course, it's my job then to tell them, you do have a budget for this because you, how much money are you spending on this program per year? How are you measuring the effectiveness of this program? And they'll say, oh, well, in the co-op, well, we, we had this many placements and this many, you know, and they get reports back from each of the you know, the co-op participants during the program. I said, but that's during the program. How do you know the long-term impact of your program? And then they realized that we don't have a feedback loop here and we want to, we want to have that feedback loop. So we sat down and talk about it and say, if you you don't know what your long-term impact is, then you're missing out on that whole that whole level of information, not only for yourself but also for your business, the businesses that you work with, and the students themselves. When I'm when I'm recruiting somebody to be a co-op student, I can give them this information. I can have the data, you know, and it gets down to that: what's the data say? And uh, so my job and my salespeople's job at profound impact is to convince you that you really it's something that you have to do you have to make it because your process is not complete if you do not have a feedback loop in, in into your programming how do you measure the long term effectiveness of it and how do you change it now today is a lot different than you know 80 years you know in the 80s not 80 years ago but in the 80s when i was you know coming out of school and doing all this it's it's quite different today in diversity and uh, inclusion and in belonging that we all want to happen. We want the best and the brightest and the, and the cognitive diversity to help us solve some of these problems that we're facing. And how do we do that unless we can say, are, is what we're doing today effective? Is it long-term? Uh, one of our customers is Shad Canada. I don't know if you know them. But Shad Canada I do, but works, yeah, I could yeah, Explain
1: it for those who aren't but quite articulate. They, enough. they work
0: with oh. <laughs> underprivileged high school students and try to and give them an opportunity for programming at the high school level. Now they want they they have I believe over nine thousand uh, alumni, and they want to understand: Did their program happen? is it effective? How is it affecting somebody who's who graduated twenty years ago? Where are they? Now, it's more difficult to get that, uh, uh, perhaps, but not always difficult. So, we're working with them to try to help them understand where are their graduates? What have they accomplished? And then to feed it back into their programming after all these years. I mean, they've done this before, they've looked at their successes and, and, and highlighted, and that's good marketing to say, oh, this graduate from either 2001. Uh, is uh, uh, cl- uh, class is now doing this and they could highlight that but they don't understand the full impact of their program uh, the way that we're helping them to.
1: First of all I want to say I love your answer to that conundrum that I posed that we don't have a budget for this I love the simplicity of you do have a budget for this so I love that confidence I think this is something that you know so many entrepreneurs are doing new work and the simplest th- way for potential prospects to, uh, uh, to to wiggle out of it is by saying, you know, we don't have a budget for this. So I love yeah. the idea that there's actually an answer. And that will
0: always be the first answer. And <laughs> because truthfully, money is always tight. That's my job is to help you understand this, this investment, return of an investment right. into this product.
1: And can you give me some idea of what, what's the state now of, uh, of profound impact? Are, you're not working alone. You've got a team around you. Mm-hmm. How many clients do you have? Are you involved uh, beyond Canada?
0: Right now, we're just in Canada. We, we, we're looking for uh, this next month. We In October, we are raising, uh, getting ready to raise some funds to, to expand, and uh, scale our business. Right now, we're working with uh, a list of uh, research institutions such as Perimeter Institute. We're working with universities. I mentioned the University of Waterloo. We're working with Wilfrid Laurier on another product that we have called Research Impact, which we didn't get into today. And then we're working with Shad Canada and uh, and Capacity Canada. They're more on the the social impact, uh, community organizations impact. Um, and, uh, uh, we have some other customers too, but we really, we concentrate on three areas, uh, education, uh, research institutions and, uh, social impact organizations. Sherry,
1: you've received a lot of awards. You've been recognized as a role model for, 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 for young women in science and, uh, and, and, and technology and entrepreneurship. What's. What do you think is the most important thing that the next generation of women entrepreneurs and innovators uh should be thinking about and 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 how should they be uh viewing the challenges that they have ahead because you've got some experience uh in this area you've accomplished so much what advice do you have for people of all kinds and particularly women uh working in these trenches now?
0: My advice is concentrate on your why, figure that out. When I have many people who I work with, I had mentioned earlier that I, I mentor uh, several individuals and some have been for a longer period of time than, than some. Uh, and what they're looking for is of course, they're, they're looking for money, uh, many of them are. As I say, if you if you want money, ask for advice. If you want advice, ask for money. We're in a digital world today. Right? And, and, and figure out your why and how you can implement your why. And why I say that is because when I started Profound Impact, you know, I was with Certicom, I was with Trustpoint. You know, we started it, we made it a brick and mortar company. We, we had our developers and we were doing that because it was information security and we wanted to make sure it was contained in that we everything that was done was done uh, under lots of controls. Uh, but when with when I started profound impact, I said, you know what, I I, I still need security, and I'll I'll make sure that that happens in in, in the platform. But uh, this could be a um, a remote company. So this was two thousand eighteen before the pandemic. So I said, why not? So I can draw on the talent that not only across Canada most of my people are in Canada, but I have people in the US too. And, and I could even uh, outsource and do that, which I haven't done, but I could uh, because my, I am a remote company and I set it up that way. I set it up as a virtual company from the beginning and that gave me more opportunities for talent. This is a talent uh, battle. There is a talent battle today. In, this, in my industry for sure. I think because we're seeing it across uh, the digital transformation across every industry, there's there's huge opportunities, but there are challenges. So what I tell, so don't think about one way of doing it. Don't say it has to be done this way because today we need to think outside the box. One, to attract talent and two, to be profitable. You know, Cause again, your why, is great. I love it that you have a great solid why, but how are you going to make money? Unless you're a not-for-profit organization, how are you going to make money uh, and and, and sustain and scale? So when I'm talking to all entrepreneurs, and and I do work with some men too, and it's, it's just about establish your why and then your how and what and all of that comes after that. So you get this, you get that foundation, and then that attracts the, the talent you need because they, they understand, oh, this is what Sherry's trying to do. She's trying to inspire collaboration and connecting great people to do great things. Yes, she, yes, she wants to make money, she, you know, of course because I have to, to stay in business and pay these salaries, uh, but, but, but how I do it and, and, and what I do are built upon that. So that's what I encourage them to think outside the box. And now it's a cube and now it's a sphere. And you know, so we can think outside of all of those. And now we're, we are definitely global. So think about the talent. If you can't get the talent locally, which I encourage them to do all across Canada. Uh, think beyond that, too, because uh, we are in this huge talent crunch. So uh, but the culture will attract good talent. If they know that you have a culture and uh, the culture, they'll align with it. a lot of the, uh, the young people today that that come to work with, with me. I have worked for other organizations larger organizations where they don't feel that they're a part of the the culture and the the, the company and the solution you you
1: mentioned that you're a mentor to a number of uh, of women and entrepreneurs in general um you're also an angel investor. I'm wondering if you can be both those things at the same time
0: yes, you can be now the angel investment that i I have done angel investment in the past. The angel investment I'm doing today, besides investing in my own company, uh, I, I'm doing it through a structure called Phoenix Fire. And when I, when you asked me in the beginning what, what most entrepreneurs need is money. So uh, we're concentrating on, so this is a fund specifically for startup, women and minority owned companies. and we have 20 women that have committed to 5 years for $250,000 over the 5 years so this is our first fund and we'll be raising money uh, each, each each year for the next funds and this was my opportunity to put my money where my mouth is so i'm talking i'm always talking about what's working and what's not we have some wonderful partners and in in the ecosystem, especially in the startup innovation uh, ecosystem, and that's the regional innovation centers, uh, such as Communitech, Tech. Ottawa has theirs, uh, they're they're everywhere, right? And that's great, but, but we're not able to really measure their impact yet. And so money, we need more vehicles, is all I'm saying, we need more ways to, to find these things. And there's, there's women's programs, there's startup programs, that teaches you the skills that, that, well, teaches you the basics and then you learn and you develop your own skills on top of that. But the thing is that the, um, the entrepreneurs, we need that feedback loop and we need a quicker feedback loop. I believe you can get it through these angel organizations faster. And that's one of the reasons. Phoenix Fire is part of the Archangel. Network. And again, this fund is for women uh, and minority owned companies, starting from pre-seed up, and then work, and then we 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 work with other organizations for bigger uh, syndication of of funds for fundraising. So we're we're just getting started. We just launched in March, and I'm excited to be a part of this. It's called the Firehood, Phoenix Fire. And uh, women—it's all women right now. Investors, uh, uh, and we're looking for more funding for this. But so that's my—that's my, that's my angel investment hat. So then I work with startups and uh, entrepreneurs, and if I believe in which, because now this is a vehicle, I can say, "Hey, call up Danielle Danielle Graham. She's head of this Phoenix Fire." And she can help you. And she she's also connected with several uh, incubators, and she can get you in there and and help you. Or if you're more further farther along, maybe she will look at your opportunity. And if she if, if it's not for her, she's well connected in the angel uh, network and beyond that, other other investment opportunities. So I think you can do both. But I ha- I I must say. Rick, to be perfectly honest, the people that I mentor directly with, I usually say, I'm not investing, I'm not putting any cash in. I'll give my time and talent to you to uh, help you, but I, I prefer to have the structure for my angel investment.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Just, just quickly, as a semi-final question: Is are we still seeing imbalances and gaps in STEM in terms of participation by women and and and, and other groups? And are you seeing any progress?
0: We're seeing progress. Uh, I'll tell you that. In STEM is huge. You know, it's a huge today. Technology is underlying for almost everything. Uh, even you know what we used to think was uh, non-STEM related careers or have a component of digital transformation. Uh, for example, I work with, uh, I'm the co, I'm the chair of the Emmy Neuter Council with the Perimeter Institute. Uh, uh, the what know, council? Right? The, it's called the Emmy Neuter Council. Emmy Neuter was the famous mathematician who was a contemporary of Albert Einstein, but she was never recognized for her work. Of course uh, she wasn't. <laughs> and course uh, uh, so they set up this council and we, we were uh, volunteers who raised funds for programming and um, a women's, uh, to initiate more women's involvement for theoretical physics in particular, physics and mathematics. So that's that's very focused, but we do it for, from junior high all the way up to research chairs. So we are, we're, what we're trying to do is fill the pipeline. So, you know, get them, you know, gets curriculum into the junior high and um, schools to middle schools and then and then all the way up to high school programs to graduate programs to PhD programs to postdoc programs to research anyway just filling that pipeline so we're seeing progress in that and I'm, and I'm pointing to one specific example but in general we're seeing progress with women entering uh, stem uh, we see it you know, at the numbers like University of Waterloo math grad to its high percentage of women uh, graduate. What we would like to see is then how we measure where they go. And that's more difficult. Again, that's getting that data and figuring out how to measure, because I could be working for uh, Walmart, for example, but I am in their digital transformation or their cybersecurity group, which is very much STEM related, but also has non-STEM graduates in it. So the, the, it's becoming more, it's, uh, you know, what STEM offers, you know, what I, I encourage young people to take a, a degree in, in, in a STEM subject because it provides you evidence-based decision-making. It provides you the tools with problem solving. These are the tools you need for every job you have. And you know, even more so today because and then it gives you the basis. It gives you a strong foundation go and do whatever you want but get those those skills and then you could you have the foundation to build on and go anywhere.
1: Sherry, I just have time to ask you the question I was once asked What's your best three word advice for entrepreneurs
0: I'm going to emphasize what you said make the call.
1: All right, first time I've ever been quoted I love that thing <laughs> um, and, and ask for help. Uh, I'll, I'll double ask for help
0: what make the call Absolutely. That's, what, that's what it is. equates. It's, it's equivalent in mathematical terms.
1: Yes. Jerry Shannon Vanstone, thank you for being our guest on the startup Canada podcast. It's been a delight chatting with you finding out more about your career and what you're doing now. Congrats on uh, on helping institutions understand their purpose a little bit better using data and hopefully that leads to better outcomes and, and better stories. your your company has profound impact and thank you for the profound impact that you're having on entrepreneurship and women in Canada today.
0: Thank you again Rick, for this opportunity. Thank you.